Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Cheryl Bradshaw. Her latest novel, Eye for Revenge, was just released. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to give listeners a little sense of how long I've been reading your work, I think since the very beginning. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but a few years ago, I was laying out by the pool looking for something that would cool me off a little bit. I live in Florida. It's always hot. And I saw this book cover of someone skiing down the mountain in what was obviously a mystery. And I thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. I'll download the sample. I downloaded the sample. And, of course, the rest is history. That was the first of your Sloan Monroe mystery series. Sloan is a PI. And I've read all six of them now. But you just released a standalone thriller called Eye for Revenge. So we'll talk about Eye for Revenge first. And then we'll get into the Sloan series a little bit. So... Tell us about Eye for Revenge. Eye for Revenge is a standalone romantic suspense novel that is based around a lost love. Um, The scene opens basically with Quinn Montgomery, who um, wakes in the hospital to find, remember really, that she'd just been involved in a car accident after finding out that her best friend that she's had since childhood uh, has been killed. And so this leaves Quinn with um, the desire to go back to her hometown that she doesn't really visit all too often since leaving six years earlier. And going back to town brings up uh, old feelings and old boyfriends, um, different possibilities of what happened, and and Quinn is determined to figure out who ultimately uh, behind the murder of, of her best friend, Evie. And Quinn is an amateur sleuth. She's not a professional, but this is in no way, shape, or form a cozy mystery, is it? No, I wouldn't say so. I would say that it has grit to it of a regular mystery. It kind of like... Uh, it's kind of on the line between cozy and, and a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. But once you cross that line, you've crossed it. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I, I do enjoy crossing it. <laughs> <laughs> so why did, why did you decide to write this particular story after having invested so much time and, and, and creating this wonderful character of Sloan Monroe? I was talking to my agent about uh, different ideas I had for Sloan and Rose 7. And she said, what other books have you wanted to write? Or do you have any other ideas for any other novels? And I started telling her that I've always wanted to write a mystery about uh, lost love, about, um, you know, two people that haven't seen each other for a while who kind of come together and still realize they have feelings for each other after the time has passed, even though they've gone their separate ways and been in separate relationships. And um, she really liked that idea, and she wanted to see that as a standalone uh, instead of obviously something that was continuing the Sloan series, because Sloan is pretty specific after six books in, in as far as what her own relationship is. And mm-hmm. so that wasn't something we could just 
throw into that and keep going. So, and she also wanted to see uh, how my writing style would be. She in a standalone. She was really she had been pushing me to write a standalone, and I was kind of nervous to do it because the Sloan series does so well, and I love writing Sloan, and I just want to keep writing forever. And she, she, she said, you know, let's change it up. I think your readers really like. I will really like this story. All right. And, and what's been the reaction from the Sloan readers? Because I know as a series reader, when an author pushes back the next series book to write a standalone, sometimes I'm a little bit put out. Uh, how have your readers reacted to this? They've responded really well. And I, 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 I mean, I was nervous about that because I don't like the readers, especially having my main fan base being so invested in Sloan, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around making them wait too long. Something else that has to do with you know, the series. So one way that I kept them happy was in writing, I wrote two Sloan Monroe novellas in the last year that are just sort of fall between books five and six and then books six and seven. And it also helped them to get a chance to read something that in the same vein of the same tone of what I write, but just a different style. Now, at, before they were saying, Sloan going to come out? And now I'm getting emails saying, is there any way you could turn this into this, a series? <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it really and, well, what you want? They, you know, well, I don't want to turn it into a series. Uh-huh. I really wanted the readers to hopefully embrace a standalone, even at what so it wasn't part of the phone series. Because in my lifetime, I hope to write a lot of different things, and I, I would love my readers just to be happy with, um, you know, it's fine to have a favorite. Like, I definitely have my own, even as the writer. But I, I love for them to embrace all the characters. It's really great when they do. Well, one thing I've, I've noticed about you is, is that you have a writing style that draws the reader in, regardless of, of whether it's a Sloan book or this particular book, or you've written some paranormal, you've written some things that are, you know, almost straight romance. There was a novella that you wrote, I can't remember the title of it, and I bought it as soon as the email came out because I'm on your email list, despite the fact that I knew it wasn't a part of the series and it might not be something that I wanted to read, and I found myself just reading it straight through. So uh, for readers like me and and probably lots of your readers, it's just the way you write that draws us in and and keeps us entertained. I hope so, and I really appreciate that. I think my tone has definitely evolved over the years to something where I think now everything's pretty similar as, as far as, like, if you read it, you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's Gerald Bradshaw. You mm-hmm. know, whereas at the beginning I was trying to kind of find my voice and where I kind of wanted to go with it, and now I feel like no matter what I write, I can always bring that same feel to the table. Well, let's talk about Sloan for a few minutes. What was the title of that first book? I can't remember the one that took place on the mountain or where the crime took place on the mountain. Yes, that was Black Diamond Death. That's right. And that took place, actually the first few took place in Park Park City, right? Yes, the first few did. That's where she was living at the time when the series started, and then she kind of 
made some life changes because of people she met and so forth. It kind of took her, I wanted her not to have to stay there for every single book. So I sort of let her, allowed her to go on little adventures. Well, this show is called crimefiction.fm. We love mysteries. We love private eye stories. So give listeners a little sense of who Sloan is. Sloan is a private investigator. She kind of got into the business having had a grandfather that she grew up around who was a former FBI um, and who had been murdered and her, the murder had never been solved. And so some of these things are what led her into um that line of work. She was already doing it anyway. She had always been, you know, on the back burner trying to find her own sister's killer. And in the meantime, with that, she opens up a business in Park City and she takes cases that tend to be on the murder side. Um, and, you know, she sets out to solve these murders. And she has a somewhat contentious relationship with the local police and you know, a lot of things that are sort things that you would expect in the genre. But Sloan, I think, is a, a really unique character. And she's someone that sort of grabbed hold of me right from the start. And uh, I, obviously she grabs hold of a lot of people because this is a very popular series for you. It is. I, you know, tried to make her vulnerable while still trying to make level-headed. You know, I didn't want her to be serious that she couldn't have uh, some a little bit of, people couldn't kind of have the other people in her life. Um, you know, she has a, a best friend named Maddie, medical examiner, and Maddie is very boisterous and, and fun and kind of helps Sloan kind of even her out. But I think one thing that people really like about Sloan is that she's very... She's a very strong woman. When I get when I get feedback on her, a lot of my fan mail will say things to the effect of "Thank you for writing such a strong female role." I want it Sloan to be strong and confident, but also also vulnerable enough that she makes mistakes. And I think that's just strong people. And I think people can hear. We've got sort of a a less than perfect connection today, and we've tried a few times to get it better, and it's, this is just pretty much the way it is, but you live in Wyoming, so you're sort of out in the middle of nowhere. I do. I live in a small town in Wyoming. Um, it, it's not very far. I can go a couple of hours and be in Metro Salt Lake City, so that's nice, but the whole I'd always wanted to write a novel. It wasn't until I moved to Wyoming and realized I wasn't really sure kind of, now what? What am I going to do? There's not a lot to do here. Uh-huh. So my husband said, you're going to write and finish that first novel that you just keep talking about and talking about and talking about. And that's how that all comes out. And you have taken the idea of writing by the throat since then, because you have, you've written a lot. I have. And it's funny because when I haven't put something out for a few months or haven't really, I'm not writing a lot for a few months, I always think, oh, I'm getting so behind. But then I look back at my body of work in four years, and and I've, I've managed to do quite a bit. Isn't it? Do you ever think back to, I don't know, maybe a decade ago where someone that put out a book a year was considered prolific? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's almost... 
it had to have been a relief, really, because a book a year is not too hard to accomplish. <laughs> and now I feel like everybody's faster, faster, more. You know, when am I going to get the next loan? When is loan coming out? Are you still writing loan? Are you still? You know, or I get that maybe about Addison Lockhart about the paranormal series, and mm-hmm. I think you know how long until you're going to put another one out? And and the truth is, is I kind of have to. I just kind of have to shell certain things at one time while I'm doing something else, and then go back to that. I usually always have more than one thing going, but one thing that's usually the main focus. Like, I already know, you know, the next two or three things that I'm doing, like, in what order. Like, this one's a phone, and this one's an Addison book, another standalone, you know, starting a new series. You know, I kind of know where I'm going. It's just, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a, novella giveaway over the weekend uh that was part of my newsletter uh-huh. and i sent the novella and two hours later got an email from the person about from the reader about how much they loved it and my joke back oh my was, gosh if only if only i could write that <laughs> you know she was like loved it when's the next one coming <laughs> and i was thinking oh my gosh that took me like two months to write even though it was shorter Oh. It, it still it still takes time. That yeah, so that's both very gratifying and horrifying at the same time when you yes, get that email I message. Of, I was I was so grateful, but I, I gave me anxiety too. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get going. <laughs> All right, now I picture you since I've been reading your stuff for a while. I like to picture you like sitting at your desk in front of a picture window, overlooking some fantastic Wyoming scene. Am I anywhere close to reality? No. <laughs> What's the reality? Yeah. Sitting in front of the window right now, but uh, you know, I have like a. Uh, William Wordsworth quote that's like in front, it's like on a canvas in front of me, um, and then I've got a calendar and a cute little frame. But um, I thrive off of scenery, uh-huh. and I think that's one of my hardest parts where we live currently. I don't feel like the scenery is what I want to be looking out the window and seeing. I'm picturing like the coast and the ocean, mm-hmm. and in that vein. My husband came home from a fishing trip in Alaska a few weeks ago and said, guess what, honey, you're going to be riding on the porch in the summers from now on because I just bought us a little house in Alaska. Oh, how cool. (laughs) So for summer, and it literally, you can almost see the coast. You can hear it from where it is. And so I appreciate that, you know. That is, and, and when does that start next year? It does. Uh, the current owners uh, wanted to stay there one more season, and then we will take ownership in the fall. But really, that means next year, because once it starts snowing, that is no bueno. So that'll, yeah. <laughs> that'll be next year for me. I get enough snow in Wyoming. Well, that'll be awesome, because one of the things that I enjoy so much about your book, your books are, are the rich settings of the West and wherever Sloan happens to be or your characters happen to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of instances, it's places where I've been and it, it takes me back. And so I enjoy that. So I'm looking forward to some of your characters being in Alaska here in a couple of years. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like I try to utilize any of that kind of thing, any, anywhere that's not overly written about. I love to incorporate that into my books. Well, that's going to be fun. Cheryl, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you and and keep up with new releases? The best way is to sign up for my newsletter through my website, CherylBradshaw.com, 
or on my Facebook page, that's Cheryl Bradshaw author page. Also, I have a blog. And anywhere that you can find me on the Internet, there's a, there will be like a tab to sign up. And I put the newsletter out. I, I don't overly, you know, saturate everyone with stuff like all the time. Just once a month, and I talk about what's upcoming, what's going on, what readers can expect from me. And every so often, someone will click a link and buy a book and send you a, a response email in two hours saying, when is the next one? That's right. <laughs> Cheryl, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you like what we're doing here, the best way to support the show is to pop on over to iTunes and give the show a rating or review. Those help other readers find great new books like Eye for Revenge from Cheryl Bradshaw. Thanks for listening.